0: Welcome to the CLB Forge Podcast. This is the show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Here are your hosts, Pastor Mike Natal and Dr. Ryan Nilsson.
1: This is a Ryan and Mike special. Star Wars is so much better than Star Trek. Wrong. And uh, Ryan and I are here uh, recording a Church on Track episode. And so we are specifically talking about breakdown areas. And I just wanna quickly recap, we're on breakdown number three, uh, but I'm not gonna release what breakdown number three is. I'm gonna see if you remember back when we did like the intro. All right, so we're gonna see if people remember that. But I did wanna recap the first two. So the first breakdown area was leadership. And then nice. the second, oh, did you wanna say something, Ryan, about about nope. the first breakdown area? All right, great. No, I do not. Uh, the, the second breakdown area was one of my favorite because it reminded me of my youth, my millennialism youth, and loving the show Transformers. So the second one is judicial, 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 judicial. spiritual transformation, kind of like a spiritual transformer.
0: I forgot what that sound was for.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, that's the sound. I got to tell you, man, I don't know if you've watched any of like the new Transformers, the ones with Sh- Shia LaBeouf You yeah. know that guy, Shia LaBeouf? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he did. Wait, you haven't seen
0: any of those? I have seen some of them, but not all. of okay,
1: them. Okay, great. So I got to tell you, I saw when I was in college, that first one came out and me and my buddy Milton went and saw it together while we were in college. And the first time that Optimus Prime transformed in front of Shia LaBeouf. I literally sat in the movie theater and straight up cried, dude. Like it was, it was so touching and childhood incredibleness that first time. And they did it like super slow motion. You saw all the gears and stuff. And I was just like, this is my childhood coming true in an epic movie. (laughs) And I just sat there and we held each other while we cried and watched it. It was so, oh, it was so good. Yeah, I need to go back and watch uh, I love it. Transformers now. Okay, uh, but today we are going to shift away from spiritual transformation and leadership, and we're going to go into the third breakdown is all about worship. And so, Ryan, do you want to share some preliminary thoughts on worship before we get into the seven breakdowns of the breakdowns? Seven breakdowns of this <laughs> breakdown.
0: Know. Oh, yeah. We do have seven points today. Oh, okay. I was like, I think you just went inception on us. Forget Transformers. Mm-hmm. Went inside the list. Inside the list is another list. That's right. And inside that list is another list. Yep. Actually, that we do have that going on. We do. With this series. We do. Dr.
1: Bo would be very proud because that's how he teaches systematics lists inside <laughs> of lists inside of lists. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. Totally. That's. I must have picked it up. You must have. Somehow. See, there's there's Inception right there. He used that and he's like, I know that future students are going to use that too. And so he incepted us to do that. So we're just, we're walking around with a little bit of bow in our brain everywhere that we go.
0: That explains a lot. Mm -hmm. It does. All right. So today... In the breakdown area we're looking at is worship. So, so again, this breakdown area series is a list of areas that churches often need to put attention into. So these are areas that require maintenance. And if you ignore them, they break down, right? So these are parts that often need to be evaluated and retooled, recalibrated, regeared, whatever. I'm I'm just going to butcher all the metaphors today. And one of them is worship. This is one of the seven common areas where this tends to happen. And one of the probably most sensitive ones is the topic of worship. So getting back on track or staying on track requires an intentional move towards inspiring, meaningful worship and biblical preaching. And worship can even help us to reconnect with God's mission. So, you know, we often think of the church gathered for worship and scattered or sent out for mission. But the way we gather for worship can even bless and impact and make more meaningful how we meet God in his mission as sent ones. So it's really wonderful and significant. We want to uh, make sure we understand worship and that we are engaging in it in an appropriate way. And so, we'll, we'll kind of get into that in, in a little bit here, but it's important to make sure that the worship is consistent. Let me quote a guy named Scott Risha in a uh, missiology journal. He wrote this in, uh, in Missio Apostolica 21.
1: That sounds fancy, Miss, Missio <laughs> Apostolica.
0: I'm sorry, I'm I'm, I'm butchering his name. I'm probably saying the name of the journal wrong. It sounds smart. He noted that it's important to, quote, make certain that the worship is consistent with the context and culture into which God has called a congregation. Mm unquote. That's Mm. what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to unpack that in all kinds of different ways. So this idea here, this concept is the key to everything we're talking about today. So this is not a comprehensive course on how to do worship well. This is uh, approaching worship from the vantage point of how we meet God and his mission, Mm. how we are a part of serving him in this, how the worship service is an extension of congregations calling to be making disciples in the community where God has placed them. So Let me just read that quote one more time, though. He writes that we are it's important for us to make certain that the worship is consistent with the context and culture into which God has called a congregation, that our worship connects to and is relatable to the context and culture that God has placed us in here as a church.
1: Yeah, I think that's hugely significant to context and culture, and we could probably spend a whole series podcast on both of those words.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah. And I I imagine we'll come back to this many times and we'll have actual worship experts on. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm not here as a a worship genius. I'm here wearing the tattered hat of an amateur missiologist. How about that? How's that sound? Sure. This is one of the most sensitive areas of ministry for many churches. It's one of the areas where we, as the leaders, the, the established and mature Christians are usually unwilling to make changes. Yeah. And here's how that quote, that beautiful quote we just read, here's how reality begins to diverge pretty significantly from that picture. So often, those of us who are in leadership roles have dialed in our worship to a degree, to a preference, to a style that we ourselves like. And it has nothing to do with what communicates to the culture around us? Often it, it has something to do with honoring heroes of the faith from the past in our church and the music they liked or the music we like, the styles and modes of worship that we prefer or have been honored traditions in our church, but may or may not relate to people in our community. So as a result, the worship service may feel like stepping into a time machine. So if you were to attend a worship service and this is going on, you might feel like the music and language is from another era, and it's hard to understand, that there are awkward long gaps between the parts of the service, that there is an unwritten liturgy that leaves newer attendees feeling excluded or confused, and we have unintentionally, with good intentions, we've un Unwittingly place barriers between worshipers and their opportunity to worship God together. Okay, so we're going to unpack the and come back to these themes again and again in this list. Mm. So, again, a few caveats. It's not a comprehensive list. Nope. Much of what we're talking about is really challenging to do during COVID. 100%. We'll be able to do a lot of these things after, but they're challenging to do now. And we're coming at this from a missiological perspective. What does that mean? That means that we're coming at this from the vantage point of the health of your church as it engaged in God's mission. Solid. That's what we're focused on here, not how to have the best worship team practices, but about how your worship service is a part of engaging in God's mission. Cool. Now, somebody here might just say, oh, here we go. I, I remember hearing something about seeker-sensitive worship services. Mm. I'm not advocating for that as a an explicit, specific type of service. But you will hear repeatedly as we go through this that we need to make sure that our worship services understandable and accessible and relatable to seekers. They also have to communicate to those who are a part of the Christian faith, obviously. But we can't forget those who are not yet part of the church.
1: Yeah, I would hope that by the time this episode airs, there will be a vaccination that is going to start to bring things back to some semblance of people feeling more comfortable to get out to worship. And so the best part is having podcasts like this, episodes like this, where people can be thinking about ways to prepare themselves prior to actually getting into it because you don't want to be reactionary you want to be pre-teaching not reactionary, especially during this time. I think as things begin to lift and people start to get back to worship and feeling comfortable coming back to church, they want to make sure that they're still being taken care of in a safe manner. And so as church leaders, we need to make sure that we are prepared when that time occurs so that we're not saying, okay, what do we do? Like we're allowed to do this. Well, how how do we do it? We should already have an established plan. And I believe that especially this breakdown uh, will be beneficial for churches to share so that they can be prepared when that time does come. Yeah. So like I said, we're going to be talking about seven portions. First one is going to be pray and worship. So why don't you unpack that a little bit for us, Ryan?
0: And let me just jump back to what we were talking about before real quick. I think this is a great time to introduce changes to your worship service. As we begin to be able to resume worship online, perhaps in a few months or within a year, to do that consistently, it gives us an opportunity to retool what goes into our services. And it's important for us not to miss that opportunity because there'll be plenty of forces that will just pull us back to doing exactly what we were doing before. And that's almost certainly what you don't need. Chances are your church needs, you know... If you just yeah. kind of blindfold me and bring me to your church, chances are your church needs some modifications and some evaluation and, and assessment. It's a, a refresh in its approach to work. I
1: like the idea of you offering the ability for us to blindfold you and bring you places. I may be taking advantage <laughs> of that at some point. So oh, are we ready to go on to number one?
0: Yeah. Now let's actually go into number one. After
1: I just said blindfold you and take you places. Prayer seems like a pretty good place for you to start, Ryan.
0: Yes, if I'm blindfolded and you're leading me around, I can guarantee, I can guarantee you I'm praying. Remember that we and our leaders, that this is a time for us to worship as well. So if you're a part of the service, make sure you're taking time to prepare your heart individually, as a group as well, and that you're setting the tone for your team. I think there are two traps that we can fall into, and we don't want to fall into either of these. So one trap is like on one side, oh, this is all about performance. And you may hear people critique worship teams that are more like rock bands, and they're not leading worship, they're performing in front of people, right? And that's one extreme we want to avoid. And I think in our circles, that gets knocked a lot. But there's also another extreme that we want to avoid, and that's that we're completely ignoring the congregation in other ways, that we are maybe not performing a rock concert, but we might be performing a piano recital. And in either case, you may not have anybody engaged and involved, this is meant to be a time of worship. It's meant to be participatory. It's one of the the key hallmarks of a healthy church is that it has highly participatory worship. And I think this all begins with an attitude of prayer and humility. And we as leaders come to this service knowing that we also need to worship our God even while we're leading others. Otherwise we're going to wind up in one of these ditches to one side or the other.
1: That's something good to talk about. And I'll be honest, I was cultivating that in our worship setting. And now that COVID has happened, I've severely neglected that, Ryan. Prayer with leadership before the service. Wow. There seems to be so many different things that have pulled in my direction. And the important part is not letting those distractions deter you from the things that are most important, which is prayer before the service. And the enemy is obviously going to attack when we're doing the most for our Lord. And so forgetting to do stuff like that and not being prepared for the service and just kind of getting thrust into it is important to remember that we should be taking time, you know, putting it in there. So definitely prayer should be a huge part of preliminary worship. Thanks for sharing that. It's definitely a struggle. It's one of the things where I'm like, I really need to lead by example and do it. And people who want to join can. And yeah. So number one, pray and worship. Number two, plan out your service.
0: Yeah, so plan out your services, and I added with excellence. Plan out your services with excellence. So here's a couple of do's and don'ts. So the do is do plan out the different parts of your service and especially think through the transitions between the elements of your service. And don't ignore all those transitions. So, so here's what I'm talking about. I think it's really good to think through the flow and order of your worship service. And chances are you you may just go through the same sequence every week, and maybe it's not not written down anywhere, but all the key people know it in their heads. And you do it the same way every time. Even the spontaneous prayers may sound the same. The music may be may happen just happen to be the same maybe ten or fifteen songs that you rotate through. There are all kinds of patterns that we 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 fall into, and sometimes they become ruts. So I want to encourage you to take some time ahead of time to, to flesh out to think what you want to accomplish with this worship service. Remember, people are coming in beat up, hurting, broken, wounded by their sin, wounded by the sin of others, they're distracted, they're tired, confused, and angry. And God is there to meet them and to heal them and to bring them forgiveness and redemption and restoration. And our worship service helps facilitate that. Now, some people think, well, let's just leave it all to the Holy Spirit and make it all spontaneous. And I just think that the Holy Spirit is just as present and involved in our planning and that that's one of the tools that he expects us to use as we prefer it for worship services. So, plan out the different parts of your service and think through the transitions. And so like here here's a, an example. Every part of your service has a beginning and an ending, and oftentimes just some early easy wins here for it can be for you to improve those transitions. So like, let's say the first song gets done and the song leader ends the song, then quietly, slowly walks off the platform. And then not until that person's off the platform does the scripture reader slowly, quietly, solemnly get up and read. I think we we naturally do this because it seems orderly and respectful, but the congregation has just watched, spent like the last 30 seconds watching one person leave the platform and ignore them and watch another one get up to the platform or the altar and ignore them. And so the congregation's spent 30 seconds feeling ignored. And they may not be feeling that, but some people could be or will be. So another way you could do this is... If you have planned out your service and it's in writing and everyone knows the sequence and everyone knows we don't leave the congregation hanging in transitions, we all know that there's a plan. And you take a few minutes before the service and you go over those details together as a team. So everyone knows when they come in and when they leave and everything. If you do that, instead, when the song leader finishes leading a song, the scripture reader knows the last verse of the song because they talked about it beforehand. The scripture reader comes up and stands quietly on the platform or altar behind the worship leader. And then when the song is done, the scripture reader can walk right up to the podium and start reading the moment the music is over. And then nobody's watching, nobody's waiting for people to walk around or put a guitar down or shuffle music or anything like that. Any thoughts on that, Mike?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. So that actually is, I did a pulpit swap with you guys, and that was one of the things that really impacted me a lot was getting there early. And I was given like a Excel spreadsheet and I was like, whoa. Are you serious? But as everybody went through it, you could see that that's exactly what you guys were trying to do is like seamlessly take out those breaks methodically and intentionally doing that. And that that's really great to do that.
0: Yeah. So you can have transitions where someone's remains on the platform and they are playing something on their instrument while some other transition is happening or while the preacher gets ready to start preaching the sermon. There's all kinds of opportunities. I think it can feel like performance but really what you're doing is you're paying attention to the congregation that you may have been ignoring and you're helping them remain focused on worship. Instead of getting distracted by, well, there's nothing else to do. I guess I'll watch, look at this guy's shoes as he walks off the platform. I mean,
1: maybe they're nice shoes though. Maybe they are. All right. uh, So that is plan out your service with excellence. Next one, number three, communicate the gospel to your mission field through your worship.
0: Yeah, we talked about this a little bit right up front. Here's the do for this one. Do communicate the gospel in a way that the surrounding community can understand. So think about the way that you're going to lead your worship service, the way you read scripture, the scripture you read, the music you select, that it's all leading people to worship and experience Christ, to experience the gospel. I think we can be very good at that, at doing that in a way that people who have been coming to our church for 20 or 30 years can understand, but we often forget that we have a calling to communicate Christ to the people who haven't yet worshiped with us, so that when we start to invite them, they can be a part of an experience that they may not get everything, but enough things are explained that they can figure out what's going on. So one thing that's not going away when COVID is over is our digital platforms. A Lots of our ministry is going to be different. Our mm-hmm. digital platforms will remain super, super important. Can't emphasize that enough. People will check out your worship service. They'll look around on your website before they go to worship. So you can explain what your worship is about. What's the purpose of a worship service? How long it lasts? How do people dress? Is it formal, informal? Is there written liturgy or none at all? You can set expectations ahead of time right on your website, which is awesome. And take away a lot of the mystery for people. Things in your service that you can help people understand if you do an offering, you can explain what that is. So keep in mind that as you lead your congregation through the elements of the service, you are teaching and guiding people who are newer in your community so they don't get left out or left behind. So they don't get so overwhelmed and confused that they get discouraged and don't come back. And I think the devil would like nothing more than for their first visit to your church to be overwhelming, confusing, unintelligible. Satan would love that. Totally. Yeah. So one thing I think you need to be ready to be flexible about is the style of your music. I know that can be challenging to think about, but think about the way your church worships. Does it reflect? the musical tastes and preferences and understanding of people in your community? Like, would you be comfortable if playing, you know, some of the worship music on a Bluetooth speaker in your backyard? Again, something that came out of a time machine that nobody knows what it is. Now, I'm not saying old music is bad or anything. I'm not at all saying that. I'm not saying hymns are bad, none of that. But the style, the manner in which we perform the music as musicians, that needs to continually be refreshed and changed. So you can sing the same words, the same lyrics, Mm -hmm. but the way you play them, the way you lead them, probably needs to change so that people can understand what's being sung and experience it.
1: Interesting. Being aware of that and making sure that we are consciously doing that is really important. Yeah, But it can be difficult too, because that reminds me of we enjoy the comforts of the Things that we know. You know, like we, we don't want to change. We, we like the way that things are going. If they're going smoothly, we don't want to change.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, it's so true. That's why. So, one thing I recommend creating is a theology of worship. It's a document that explains what the purpose of worship is and how you're going to approach it together as a church. We can get into that some other time. Yeah. But that's really, really important. I want to encourage you to intentionally shape your worship style. Now, a lot of churches, I think we just happen to fall into a pattern. Together as a church, we didn't necessarily plan it this way. Uh, We don't know how it got this way, but we know like this is our style. And maybe this is the style that the people who volunteer can handle or they know. And that becomes the reason we use a certain style of worship. And I want to encourage you to push on that a little bit. Hmm. And here's what I want to say. If you're not intentionally shaping your worship style and philosophy Somebody else most assuredly is. Oh, So if you are the pastor, if you're an elder board and you're listening to this and you're saying, well, I don't feel it's my place to guide and shape the way we communicate the gospel to our community. I mean, that's essentially what you're saying. That's not a place I want to be. Yeah. And I, and I guarantee you, if you're just leave, if you're just ignoring it, somebody else is shaping it and molding it. Mm. So as leaders, we're there to set guidelines and boundaries and give direction so that when worship leaders and team members are selecting music and they're practicing and they're choosing songs that they understand who you're trying to communicate with out in the community. That they not only have to grab the people who are an established part of the congregation, but those who are new to the church family, new to the community. And we're only kidding ourselves if we think we aren't doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's, um, let's move into number four. Gear your service to your entire congregation.
0: Yeah, and this maybe is a lot like the last point. Do gear every service so that it's impacting both established Christians and those who are not yet disciples. And don't use lots and lots of deep theological terms without explaining what they mean.
1: Yeah, kind of like Missiological Internationalism, um, whatever that magazine was.
0: Yeah, the journal that I couldn't <laughs> yeah. pronounce, that yeah. one. Yeah, I can't say it either. Yeah. You know, all, the only other thing I want to say on this point is the Lutheran Brethren Seminary has a great series of messages in, in what they call their Peterson Lectureship series by a guy named Matt Popovitz. At their 2019 Peterson Lectureship, he did a series called The Sermon in a Secular Age. So we'll post a link to it in the description so you can click on it. But if you go to lbs.edu and check out their Peterson Lectureship, you can find it. Outstanding series. And one of his main points was, it really drove home with me was every sermon should be preached as if there are both believers and those who are not yet believers in the room. You can't ever assume that you don't have somebody who's not a Christian in the room. When that is actually the case, your worship service, your sermon is geared to be able to minister to them. We have to be ready. And I think us being ready, yeah, we can rely on the Holy Spirit to to do his work. And, you know, he's the one who saves. He is the one who's gathering his people. And I think however we often can get in the way. And the way we communicate the gospel, gearing the service to everybody is just a wonderful way to work with the Holy Spirit in the work he's already doing.
1: And it's a great way to proclaim the gospel because even Christians who have heard the gospel still need to hear the gospel over and over and over again. And a lot of times, if you present it in a way in which it goes over some people's heads it's going to go over even some people who are Christians heads. So keeping it on a certain level, and I'm not saying like, I'm not advocating like dumbing down your sermon. Like I don't want people to hear it that way, but just intentionally think of ways in which you can describe the gospel to individuals that they wouldn't need to like, look those words up in order to understand. And as you're writing your sermon, as you intentionally do that, the people who have already heard you proclaim the gospel in a way that is understandable to them will get just as much out of that proclamation as an individual
0: who's never heard it before. Yeah, Mike, preach it, man.
1: Yeah, totally. I love number four. That's great. Uh, Number five, engage
0: your worship team. Do ask your worship team members to interact with the congregation before and after the service. Again, this is a very much a COVID no-no, but after COVID, this is something that I would really encourage you to resume doing or start doing. Don't... Let your team members ignore the few minutes before and after the service that are precious opportunities to minister to people. And ignore is a strong word. But I would, ro- I really encourage you to have your worship team members, the people who are up in front at your church, helping lead music, prayer, scripture reading, whatever. If you've planned your service, you can plan for your practice to end in time so that everyone goes to a pre-service huddle to spend three or four minutes to talk about what's going to happen in the service. And then that gets done 15 minutes before the service starts. Then the people in your team can interact and mingle with people who are entering the church. And it becomes a great time to meet people and care for them and connect with people and to relate with them. So remember, if you're new to the church, if it's your first time or you've only been coming a little while, you may be having a challenging time getting to know people. But you know the pastor, if he's preaching, and you probably also know the worship team members because they're up singing lots of the week's. The problem is that a lot of times we don't ask our worship team members to go and meet people and connect with them. So it's a huge ministry opportunity. They may think, oh, who cares? I'm not the pastor. They don't care. But they're some of the only people they recognize. They'd love to talk. I would say before the service and after that you ask your worship team members to give five to 10 minutes to talk to people they don't know
1: that that's super important too, because a lot of times it's easy to get in the mindset of like, oh, I have to, I have to put my guitar away. I have to pack up the drums. I have to clean my microphone and and put it away. I have to do this, that, and the other thing. And then they get so busy doing other stuff that they don't interact. So yeah, that's kind of cool where it's like, just, just let your instruments sit there. It'll be okay. Go and talk to some people and then come back in and put it away.
0: So like, like institute a rule of five or a rule of 10. Yeah. The last 10 minutes before... And the first 10 minutes after, we're asking you to not talk to your friends and your family. We want you to connect with people you don't know as well. Maybe you've never met before because those are the people who always get ignored. They're the ones that need our ministry most likely and don't know how to ask for it. I love that. So good. Yeah, that's great. Yep. Last thing on that, if they don't do that, if, if you don't ask your team members to do that, they're probably not going to do it. They may resist wanting to do that, and you need to cast vision for why that's important. And you may even want to make it a requirement or a condition, like this is important to the church, and that your team members are modeling behavior for the rest of the church. And if they ignore new people, many others in your church will also.
1: Yeah, there's that passage in 2 Corinthians that talks about being an ambassador of Christ. I I love using that mindset of being an ambassador, and I really truly believe that people who are on the worship team or people who are leading during a worship setting are ambassadors, whether they realize it or not. They are putting forward Christ towards people, and and that's very powerful for them to be thinking about that, so it's important. All right, so let's go to number six. It says, uh, number six says, make your services as
0: particir- <laughs> oh, as the tongue twister
1: participatory participatory you as possible it, nice
0: all right so this is one of these themes we're coming back to it's so important to- to engage people in your service as much as possible, to help them participate so that they are not sitting inert and it's only one-way information relaying to them, but that they are a part of the service as a part of the congregation. So ways you can do this to help reinforce that is to engage multiple people in speaking roles. So it's easier to listen to multiple people rather than one. So like, let's say it's Pastor Mike, the whole service. Pastor Mike does the welcome, the call to worship, leads the music, does the announcements, does all the scripture. And then by the time you begin your sermon, we've already been listening to you for half an hour. And just most of us humans, it's just hard to keep listening to the same person.
1: Yeah. I mean, just be honest and say what you want to say to me, Ryan. Nobody wants to listen to me for more than a half hour.
0: Well, I said it was Pastor Mike. I didn't say it was you, Pastor Mike, did I? Mm-hmm. Maybe I did. Maybe I pointed at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Okay. So when I was a parish pastor, I kind of made it my goal. Unless it was urgent, if I'm preaching, probably the only parts of the service you're going to hear me do are the sermon and the benediction. And I even got to the point where I was having somebody else read the, the scripture text at the beginning of the sermon. So someone is doing a welcoming, someone's doing an announcement, someone is leading the worship music. Someone else is reading the sermon text. And the idea is to help people feel like you're not just in an auditorium hearing in a lecture, you're a part of a worship service and you're a part of a community of faith worshiping together.
1: And thinking about it from a leadership standpoint, it's exhausting doing everything. It feels less like worship and more like a job. And like you you want to be part of that worship setting and sharing it in community is part of what makes worship, worship.
0: I also, I think this can also get to matters of the heart. Sometimes we don't like to let go of leadership. We don't like to let go of control and we don't like to empower other people because we feel like we're losing authority. And that's a hard issue that we need to deal with. Mm-hmm.
1: Number seven. Yeah. Let's say it's uh set the tone before and after
0: the service.
1: So you're talking about this tone. Ooh or this one, boo, or this one, boo,
0: or boo. Multiple tones arranged in the form of a song. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, so nice. This is, a, this is a short one. Just have music, worship music playing. It could be recorded music that's just playing on a loop in the background before and after the service to create an atmosphere that's comfortable, it's conducive. There's important worship and fellowship and discipleship and prayer that's happening before and after the service. And if it's just an empty, quiet room, it makes it all super awkward. Put on some background music. It'll prepare your heart if you come in and you're distracted or if you're new mm-hmm. and you feel uncomfortable being in this big room. That music helps say, okay, to be in here, you're not going to get looks if you move around and, you know, set things down and every little thing that you do isn't going to make a noise. It makes it okay to have conversations in a sanctuary that's filling up or emptying out with have that kind of music going on in the background.
1: Yeah, you got to set that ambiance, yeah. you know what I'm saying?
0: Yep. And so what I see often is there's no music until uh, the worship leader gets up to the front and starts the first song. Again, it's you're ignoring the congregation that's you're called to lead. The Leading them begins before the service starts, and it ends a, a while afterwards as well.
1: Word up. All right, so let's go through them. So number one, pray and worship. Number two, plan out your service with excellence. Number three, communicate the gospel to your mission field through your worship. Number four, gear your service to your entire congregation. Uh, Number five is engage your worship team. Number six Uh, Make your service as participatory as possible, whatever. I'll get it eventually. Uh, And number seven is set the tone before and after the service. Ryan, that brings us all the way to the end. That's number seven. Thanks. That was fun. So that's it. No problem. This was a great breakdown. Not as good as the Transformers episode.
0: Nope, definitely not.
1: But a close second for sure. Uh, so to our listeners, we are super happy that you were able to join us uh, for this episode. We would ask you to subscribe to the podcast or to the YouTube channel so that whenever a new podcast drops, you get to see it. Uh, we'd also be super encouraged if you could share it with a friend or a colleague. And everybody have a great day night, day, afternoon, good day at work, wherever you're going, hang out with kids. We'll see you later. See you next time. Bye.
0: This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast with Pastor Mike Natal and Dr. Ryan Nilsen. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.